Radio Station, it's time to wake the bear. Keep it tuned in. This is AM 1080 KSEO Santa Cruz, 104.1 FM, broadcasting worldwide at KSEO.com. Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. All right, all right, all right. It's time for the bear to be awoken. Oh, yes, it is. And I think that she, he, which is it, is beginning to, to wake up. We're, there's so much going on in the, in the world. If, if the bear isn't waking up now, what's it going to take? It obviously is time to come out of that out of that cave. Yep, some people still got their head in the sand. Uh, we're here at Wake the Bear is dedicated to waking people up to what's going on, helping you to question the narrative, not just to believe the mainstream media, and to actually use your logical thinking skills uh, to question uh, what's going on. And a lot of us just got woken up, maybe even a couple, just a couple of years ago myself. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, we're now in the game. We're in the game. And uh, good night tonight. Uh, Ron is not with us tonight. It's just Chris and myself, and we have an amazing guest speaker coming on. Chris is running the board tonight. Thank yes, you, Chris. and that's not why it's a good night because Ron's not here. No, <laughs> we no, no. miss him. We Nobody miss can replace our friend Ron Powers. Ron Powers is the man. He's got the best last name in the world. That's right. You know, um, speaking of waking up, I woke up and was wondering if I might see a few missiles going by my window this morning. Just, I heard there was a landing in Taiwan. Yeah, we got uh, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi landing in Taiwan, uh, coming against the sable rattle, rattling of the CCP. Um, I'm not a big fan of Pelosi, but when it comes down to it, we're all Americans, and Americans should be able to travel where they want, and uh, that's our policy, so... Yes, we just wish we knew what her policy was. It was a little confusing why she was even there. Yeah, interesting, yeah. And uh, it, it, it does feel a little bit wag the doggish. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, we'll see how it's going to play out. Uh, we got to keep our eyes open and just keep in prayer. We want to pray for That's peace because right. our, our desire is the peace around the world. We love all people of all races all over the world, and we, we don't want to be at war with anybody. That's right, and we don't want anybody um, creating a false flag event to distract from what's going on in our own country. That's for sure. We got a lot of things that, uh, unfortunately, the left is trying to distract from, and uh, we need to keep our eye on the ball. I would say the eye on the ball with uh, election integrity and a variety of other issues that are really important right now. Um, interesting that uh, Joe Biden's and the left's um, attempt to bring men into women's sports failed in Kentucky um, went to the the um, the Attorney General Daniel Cameron actually um, took the federal court battle and won it and so therefore uh, men are no not allowed to be in women's sports and that's a win we got to praise the Lord for that because that is just plain insanity I can't even figure out who who wants that. I mean, any mother or father that has a daughter in sports, I cannot imagine anyone. So I'm not even quite sure why it's an issue. Yeah, I think it's it's controlled by the media, and uh, they're not letting the voices of people who are just a common person say, hey, this is insanity. So we're saying it, saying it. So <laughs> It is insanity. The emperor has no clothes. 
<laughs> and Donald Trump, he was out playing golf, <clears throat> excuse me, over the weekend. And uh, someone asked him a question about 9-11. And he said that uh, nobody's really gotten to the bottom of 9-11. Wow. Uh, and so I thought that was an interesting um, comment, especially in light of what happened the following day, which was um, during a... a Biden actually made a speech and announced that the number two to um, uh, bin Laden was was killed, and it's Ayman Al Zawahi uh, that he was he was killed. Although nobody has quite confirmed it either in the Department of Defense or the Pentagon, mm -hmm. uh, the only one that said that it occurred was uh, Biden himself in a speech, claiming that he was responsible. Yeah, seems like a little more distraction going on right there yeah. and uh you know there's actually evidence that this guy was died like a year ago from uh, some sort of respiratory failure so yeah maybe some flu-like symptoms wow well hey we have a special guest tonight and i wonder um brandon if you would introduce him because i know you have spent some time with him when you were at uh, clay clark's uh, reawaken tour yeah. at the conference about what three three weeks ago four weeks ago in virginia yeah virginia beach um it was an it's an honor it was on my honor to meet um reverend william cook and he is the founder and ceo of america's black robe regiment this is a, a a newer association of clergy who seek to secure the blessings of liberty to our own and to our future generations of americans um, so this is a, a really, really amazing movement that's happening in America. I, I do believe we're, the, the nation is finally waking up and the, the pulpits are waking up. And uh, we're going to have him on. He, you know, Bill is an ordained minister. He served in many, many churches um, since 1986 in Baptist Anglican churches. Um, 31 years he's been ministering in campus ministry. Just a, a man, solid man of God, um, ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, there was a good period of time, 10 years, where he was actually a federal contractor uh, providing software engineer and systems engineer support um, to federal agencies, including the intelligence community, the Department of Homeland Security, science and technology. So he's got uh, some background here um, of the Transportation Administration um, Authority. He was uh, so he's got some background in government. Yeah. He's got some background in other things as well. Anti-terrorism Anti too. Yeah, and so we're honored to have Bill on tonight. He's going to be sharing a little bit of who he is and what what the Black Robe Regiment is. Um, and uh, we're just honored to have him. Bill, are you there? Can you hear us, Bill? Thank you. Yes. Uh, can, can, you hear, can you hear me? Oh yeah, loud and clear. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here. It's th it's three hours later there, isn't it? So yeah. you're you're taking one for the team here. It's eleven o'clock here on the East Coast, and we're on the West Coast. It's call it, call it, he's pulling an all nighter like college days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I used to I used to stay up till two three in the morning, and I'm starting to grow up a little bit. <laughs> Well, Bill, it was my honor to meet you over when you had called the pastors to Virginia Beach uh, at the Reawaken America tour with um, Clay Clark and, and General Flynn. I was amazed that you that you know 150 pastors showed up, and the there was just such a challenge that was given for the pastors to start to wake up. You know, tell us a little bit about the Black Robe Regiment. I mean, I I'm just very I'm new to this. I mean, I've only 
as a pastor, I've only probably preached political sermons for the first time at the beginning of the this COVID lockdown. I just, something didn't smell right to me. Started researching and realized, oh my goodness, there are, there's things that are being lost forever. I mean, rights that are being lost. And so I've kind of just woken up recently, but you've been fighting this battle for a while and you're, you're pretty familiar with the Black Robe Regiment. What, you know, what is it and what, you know, what caused you to say, hey, I need to start this? Well, it was probably about a little over 10 years ago. I was um, watching Glenn Beck one night when he was, and he had David Barton on as a guest. And David Barton was talking about this historical Black Robe Regiment. And uh, he said the Black Robe Regiment was a name that the British gave to the American clergy because they blamed them for the revolution. They blamed them for the war for independence. Mm. And uh, it, it really intrigued me, so I sought to learn more about it. I started reading a little bit, learning about the history of the pulpit in America. And I uh, attended some events down at the Capitol where David Barton was giving a tour and talking about that history. And I was so inspired. And at the same time, I was, I was watching the country slip into tyranny under the Barack Obama administration. Mm. I was alarmed by what was being done. And having five children, I was I was very concerned for their futures, and I wanted to do something about it. And so, I had the idea to I believe God gave me the idea to found something called the Black Robe Regiment of Virginia. Rather, you know, rather than run from a radical name, I decided to go kind of kind of like uh, wake the bear. <laughs> I, I I I decided to embrace the name as a badge of honor and began to talk to clergy in my own state about rising up and doing something about the tyranny that was happening in our country. And so we founded the Black Robe Regiment of Virginia in 2012. We had um, General Boykin as our guest, as our keynote speaker. We had a bunch of pastors there and that's how we got started. And so since that time, the organization has kind of grown and it's, it has, its reach has extended and we've decided to change the name to America's Black Robe Regiment to accommodate interest that was rising in other states besides Virginia. So, for instance, if somebody in Arkansas wants to form a Black Robe Regiment organization, we'll call it the Black Robe Re- Regiment of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we're pursuing a vision of of having the Black Robe Regiment in all 50 states and ultimately in every political jurisdiction in America. Because we believe that, that as the church secured liberty in this country in the 18th century, beginning in the mid-1700s, actually before that, we believe the church has got to do it again today. And pastors have to lead that charge. Yep. In the American Revolution, they were the vanguard of independence. They were the vanguard of liberty. They were the vanguard of the American Revolution. And they didn't shy away from the conflict, but they... they Many of them actually fought in the American Revolution, right? And so they, the the term black robe means that they that the pastors back then wore common black robes, and the British hated right. them. Right, right. They hated them. They despised them. And it, you're right. I for, forgive me for not mentioning that immediately. But the the black robe regiment was a reference to their black robes, because the British blamed them for the for the American Revolution, and they rightfully blamed them because they they were the ones Correct. who set the the political climate for the revolution. Right. The clergy had preached the political worldview in the founding that's embodied in the founding charters for a long, long time before the war started. So, you know, as, as a couple of historians have said that there had been a revolution in the hearts and minds of the people 
before the war started. In fact, one historian wrote that the revolution was an accomplished fact before first shots were fired at Lexington. Wow. And um, so Jefferson, even when he sat down to write the Declaration of Independence, admitted that he didn't have to refer to any outside sources in the writing of it because the clergy of that era had made the ideas in the Declaration of Independence and later in the founding charters so well known among the people that probably a, 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 there could have been any number of people to sit down and write the Declaration of Independence because the ideas were so well known. Yeah, they, Jefferson had an incredibly elegant, elegant pen, which, you know, it's an amazing document to read. Right. And, and, and there's one historian that said that there's nothing in the founding documents that wasn't first preached from the pulpits. Bef you know, can you imagine Correct. that? So it was, all these ideas were preached from the pulpits of the American pastorate. It's very different than the things that I heard growing up in school about how mm. all these pastors were atheists and deists and secularists and weren't Christians and separation of church and state needed to happen. And it, it, when I actually started to look at history, I, I kind of came up with the conclusion that that's completely false. It is false. It is. I like to say that the clergy really were the founding fathers. And and the, the the I call the other men that wrote that that were that were involved in the ratification of the Constitution, the development of the founding charters. I really call a lot of them the um, they're the framers. Mm -hmm. But the clergy were really the inspirational leaders of the drive to independence. They were um, amazing, amazing men, and uh, we we've, we've sold ourselves short as a nation by by minimizing their role. Wow. I remember when I was coming out, uh, you know, to Virginia, I, I really felt called. And I, I told my wife, I said, you know, this pastor out there started this black robe regimen. I felt called to go out and to be there. And she's like, you're going to go to the one that's the furthest away from our California is <laughs> in Virginia Beach. I'm like, yeah, it's the time. It's time. And yeah. and she's like, well, I don't know if you should go. And I had, I kept saying, no, I should go. And then finally she's like, all right, let's book you a ticket. But I remember when I was coming out there, you sent us a couple documents about a Lutheran minister um, who was considered to be the fighting parson who... There's been a memorial set up for him. Uh, was it Peter um, Peter Mullenberg? Am I saying that correctly? Muhlenberg. Peter John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg. Yeah, and he was known to be have some military career before he became a pastor, and then he ended up pastoring for a while, and they called him in to um, to be part of the army, right? Right. When an interesting thing about Peter Muhlenberg, he, he was called Peter. He was pastoring. Uh, English-speaking Church of England congregations in the northern Shenandoah Valley, and also uh, German-speaking Lutheran congregations. Wow. His father was Lutheran. His father, Henry, Henry Melchior, was the founder of the Lutheran Church in America. And um, Peter was also a member of the Virginia House of Burgesses, the government of Virginia, so that, you know, obviously he didn't, he didn't, get the memo about separation of church and state he didn't buy into that idea <laughs> guess not <laughs> and um when he was as a member of the house of Burgesses, he was present in the room in richmond when patrick henry delivered his impassioned plea that that um is so famous give me liberty or give me death and when when henry was finished with his his speech he motioned that the counties in virginia be put into a state of defense which would have insinuated forming militia in those counties. Wow. And so wouldn't you know it, it was the pastor who sitting there, Peter Muhlenberg, who seconded Henry's motion to do that. Wow. And and while Pastor Muhlenberg was in Richmond, 
General George Washington asked him if he would accept the commission in the Continental Army as a colonel, and Peter accepted. So he he, in, he left Richmond after the, the, the Burgesses had finished meeting, and he went back to Woodstock, Virginia, where he pastored a church called um, Emmanuel Church. Mm. And a few months later, he entered the pulpit, January 1st, 1776, and he preached his farewell sermon out of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And it's a, it's a famous event that occurred, and when well, I'm trying to pull it up here on, on my laptop, I know the, the first two verses are, to everything, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose, purpose under heaven. Under heaven. Yes, I'm hearing a little bird song here. Yeah. <laughs> a time, that's right. That's exactly right. Turn, a time turn, to be turn. Born, yeah. And a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, uh, and and so forth. A time to build and a time to tear down. And when he preached, <laughs> when he finished preaching through that chapter, he came he came to the eighth verse, which says a time for war and a time for peace. Hmm. Wow. And you have to you have to understand. You have to see the scene. You have to understand that the colonies, after what had happened in Lexington, they were in a, they were in a, they were in a great state of alarm. So, so many of people who come to the little log church there in Woodstock that day to hear him, that there were people standing out in the church cemetery, listening attentively to to hear his preaching. And when he finished his sermon, he he came down from the pulpit and he threw off his robe, his black robe. He was in full uniform as a colonel. Wow. wow. And he had his sword his sword with him in the pulpit by his side. And by some accounts, he had his musket flintlock pistols also with him in the pulpit. And he ordered, ordered drums after he said the benediction. He ordered drums to begin beating for recruits at the rear of the church. And so men started flocking around him there. And, and that day in the ensuing couple of days, he, he ended up recruiting 300 men from the frontier to form the 8th Virginia Regiment. Wow. And led, the, led them off to war. It was called the German Regiment. And he was, he was a capable military leader. He was eventually promoted to Brigadier General, became one of Washington's most capable brigadiers. And um, at the end of the war, he was, brev he was something called breveted to Major General. Hmm. So he was present at York County. If you see the paint, if you go to the Capitol and you see the painting of the generals lined up to Washington's left at the surrender of Cornwallis, Muhlenberg is in that line of generals. Wow. And um, he was, you know, obviously at the end of the war, he was a hero. His, uh, his congregations begged him to return to and be their pastor after the war. And like David David said to Solomon, he said, I can no longer build a house of God, for I am a bloody man. Hmm. So he, he decided he would continue to serve the nation by running for Congress and was elected to the first Congress wow. as, a, as a representative from, from uh, Pennsylvania. And another interesting thing about Peter Muhlenberg's life is his brother, Friedrich Augustus, who was a, who was a minister in uh, Rhode Island. He had a church in Rhode Island. He initially withstood Peter and said it was wrong for him to leave the pulpit and take on the duties of a, of a military leader. And uh, they, they got into a, a bit of a contest in letters, a debate, and it came to be known as the Battle of the Quills. Hmm. <laughs> and, and when, uh, toward the end of the war, 
when Friedrich's church in New York in Rhode Island was burned down, he had come around by the time he had come around to Peter's way of thinking. So Friedrich ran for Congress and he was elected to the first Congress as well. And he became the first speaker of the house. Wow. So in the first Congress, there were at least two ministers of the gospel in the first Congress. So, so you, you know, I like to tell that story because it completely debunks the notion that the founding fathers intended, intended separation of church and state, which, which forces the church out of government. Yeah. There's no way that idea would have seen the light of day. And you, you mentioned David Barton real quick. I just want to say, uh, you know, I was watching a film called Monumental with Kirk Cameron this other, the other day. It was probably, it's probably a 10 year old film and talks about a monument in, at Plymouth, in Plymouth, um, Massachusetts. Rock, Massachusetts. And he, there's one area where he's talking to David Barton. David Barton opens this big family Bible and says, this is one of 10,000 Bibles that the United States Congress paid to have printed for use mm-hmm. in the public schools. Mm-hmm. And so he said, now, how could, would, why would a bunch of atheists, you know, deists, you know, secularists put forth the money? And printing was expensive back then to print these massive family Bibles that were to be used in the schools. It doesn't make any sense. This myth of separation that we've been handed down is, a, is, that, is just that. It's a myth. Yeah. I mean, America was going through the first Great Awakening at that time with George Whitfield going through the whole nation and people were coming to to Christ in thousands. The the heart of the nation was being moved. It was so strategic of God to to wake people up to their spiritual heritage. And, And I loved how you said that the clergy... Uh, spoke and wrote of a political worldview, and it was the same as a biblical worldview. So I, I, I just love that, that that piece was brought up. Can you talk a little bit of, about how how the our polit- political worldview is God's government? It really is. It really is God's government. And, um, you know, again, because the clergy had made the ideas in our founding charters, all those principles so well known, they preached them before somebody thought about writing them down in a in in, in legislative documents. They made the ideas so well known that, that some of the things that are done today just wouldn't have seen the light of day. I got to say to every person on this listening to this radio broadcast tonight that you have been lied to about the history of America. You you we have been robbed. You know. Our people that don't like America have actually stolen far more from us than wealth and riches, gold and silver and possessions. They've taken our heritage away and have stolen it from us and made us believe a lie that America wasn't a Christian nation. I'm here to tell you it was a Christian nation. It was founded as a decidedly Christian nation. And, you know, we've been cheated. We have given up so much to the to the lies that have been sold to our children and the lies that, that, that our schools have no business with, with, you know, scriptures being read and prayer in schools. It's just absurd. The founding fathers would have, um, well, you know, Adam said he, he'd repent in heaven if, uh, if every time came where Americans forgot the things that they had done and turned away from them. Mm. So we're in a time in American history where, Americans, I believe, are waking up. They're seeing all the things that are being done that are so ridiculous. You know, the whole COVID uh, nonsense has been a huge operation. Yep. And, 
you know, the, the shots that are being shoved down people's throats and other things. It, it's just none of it is good. It is bad. It's, this isn't America. Right. We're not living in. This is not the, the America that was left to us. And so it's, uh, I'm, and I believe there's a revival happening in that regard. I think that there's a revival, uh, there's a political and, um, and cultural revival happening in America right now as Americans wake up and go, no, this isn't right. Yeah. This isn't what we signed up for. We're not going to submit to this. We're not going to embrace these lies that are being shoved down our throats by the media and by lying politicians in Washington yeah. because yeah. they are lying. Yep, and that, and so it, it is time to stand up. And I, I look at you know, I, I I've been monitoring you know like I I did not preach any like I said any civic or governmental you know messages from the pulpit about three years ago, and then something happened for me, and it was like um, when my wife was demanded to take this experimental injection that had not been actually proven to be work useful. And then my daughter was being taken, left home from school, be having to be home with school or mask. I'm like, this is not okay. It was like almost like the Pearl Harbor for me that brought me into the battle. And I, I think that's what's going on is that a lot of people have now finally been awakened to fight this. And I, and I feel like, you know, Donald Trump kind of pushed the hand of the left to show their hand early, earlier than they wanted to because we have been slowly and subtly, subtly you know, brought to sleep. And, um, you know, and, and we, you know, we believe these lies and they, they were getting during this time, the ultra Marxist left has gotten the upper hand and it's, you know, mm -hmm. we're waking up. And, and what I think like to say is patriots are becoming Christians, like real Christians again, and Christians are becoming patriots again. And I, th I, I yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and I would, I would, again, I, I don't know, I don't know your audience. But I would say for everyone who's on this, listening to this radio show and looking at the, the nonsense that we're being subjected to in this country, the, the theft of our elections, the, the, when Joe, Joe Biden is, can't even, I don't think he can string two coherent thoughts together when he stands up in public. I think we're being, we're being sold a bill of goods. And I would say to everybody on, that's listening to this radio broadcast today, if you don't know Jesus, one of the best ways for your eyes to be fully open is to get to know him. Give your life to him and begin to follow him, lock, stock, and barrel, and stop holding back. Stop listening to the lies that are being sold to you day in and day out. Turn off your television, read your Bible, and begin to let God teach you from the Scriptures. And uh, I, I believe there's a revival happening in America where people are doing that, and it's time, it's time to wake up because our country is being, is being slowly destroyed. That's right. And, um, and it's time. It's Come time on. For, for Americans to be Americans and, and to stop believing lies and to stop believing tyranny. Hey, Pastor Bill, I'm just, I am wondering, now you've been doing this for way before COVID. So you were an early adapter with this Black Robe Regiment in 2012 when you said that you were seeing the tyranny under Obama. But I'm wondering what it was like for you when you saw covid happen and you heard the words over uh the the media that said church is now non-essential mm -hmm. um, and what that did to you and how that um uh would have created some some movement um to not just um 
continue on as you were, but what that took the Black Road Regiment to the next level. How did you feel when you, you heard the church is non-essential? Well, I'll tell you, the first, the first time I heard about COVID was when I was, I was watching a news broadcast one day. I think it was Leslie Stahl or some other ABC, NBC, or CNBC uh, reporter had a huge a graphic image of the COVID virus behind them on a screen, and they were talking about this, this pandemic that was coming on America. And I looked at that thing, and I listened to what they were saying. And, I, you know, you have to... I had at that point I'm telling myself first of all this this media has been lying to me and to the American people every time they open their mouth uh-huh. to the whole entire 4 years of Donald Trump's administration. So why would they be telling me the truth on this issue? Why would they all of a sudden do an about face and begin to tell the truth? So I knew I thought this has to be a lie. And the other thing that occurred to me I looked at that at the image of that virus and I thought this thing is horrible looking. It's got it's it's got all these horns coming out of it, and it's round, and it's it, it, you know. And I thought this thing looks like a World War II undersea ship mine. Totally. Huh. And, I, and I thought this is just a bunch of bunk. I knew it was a bunch of bunk out of the gate, and so I didn't believe it from a mo- uh, at, at, from the very beginning. I didn't believe an ounce of it, and um, and. My my disbelief in the lies they were telling has been confirmed over over many over a few years and months. Yep. But um, I just knew that it was an operation. I knew that it was an operation, and it has proven out to be just that. And so, uh, I I think the church, a lot of churches were were scared into submission to submission to the idea of not meeting, suspending services, closing their doors, and it has really hurt. I believe it's hurt the church in America, mm-hmm. but. I think there is a true church, a triumphant church that's not not falling for the garbage. Jesus said, Jesus' word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. In fact, he said, so much the more as you see the day approaching. So God, that's a divine injunction. Why would we obey, why would we listen to anything that man said? Did God, did God not foresee this alleged crisis of COVID so that he's, he's okay with with the world telling the church not to meet and not to assemble together, mm. that's that's insane. You know, it is not okay to submit submit to anyone. We we submit to the authority of God. Yeah, that's one hundred percent right. I, I I think what's going on is you know God knew this was going to happen. You know, He's in charge. He's sovereign. It, it's almost like mm-hmm. it's shown the metal of the church and the weakness of the church, and and I, also it's shown like. Um, we see kind of the darkness getting darker and the light getting lighter and those who are standing up. I, I know one mm-hmm. church that was like 250 people and they, they decided not to shut their doors and now they're at 2,500 people. They, you know, they, they 10 times their church size because people, the, the gospel yes. demands life transformation. The gospel demands that Jesus is Lord and that you turn your life over to him and, and courage begets courage and people don't want a, a flimsy, whimsy, little me- nice message. They want a gospel that radically transforms lives and they see the power of God working. And, you know, that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to, to right. for salvation. So th- I, we're seeing the churches that defied the mandates just burst open and the ones that yep. like acquiesced shrink and some of them are still at 50% or less. 
Yeah, you just well, can't can you can't shut point. down the gospel, can you? When when the power of God goes no. forward and and the message of life goes forward, it cannot be contained, and it can't be contained in the four walls of a church building. Um, even even in times of COVID, that's when we we get to shine the brightest because we are not only essential, we are relevant, and the gospel brings solution to every situation. That's good. Really I agree. Absolutely agree. And, um, you know, the church has the answer. The church is the, it's an answer looking for a question, so to speak. <laughs> and, you know, we need to obey God rather than men. We, we just, one of the things that happened in uh, Virginia Beach three weeks ago is we had a statement that Stephen Mannion in, uh, in upstate New York uh, had arranged to have there at the, at the event. It's called Acts 529 Statement, which basically says, and, and to summarize it, we must obey God rather than men. It doesn't matter what you tell us, we're gonna obey God. And what we need today in America, what America needs is leaders in the church who say, we will not obey you. We're gonna obey God. Don't, we don't care what you do to us, we're obeying God. And I think what you're saying is when we, see, when we see leaders that are willing to do that, that is so inspiring to, to people in the church, to the, to the flocks of, of God. When, when people like Cheon and Jack Hibbs say, we're, we're not shutting our doors. When people like Rob McCoy say, we're going to keep our doors open, people are flocking that they are so hungry for churches that believe the Word of God and do what God's Word says. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just I want to say if to pastors, if you're still shutting down your doors and you're listening to this ridiculous nonsense coming out of, governments, whether it's the government of California or the government of the United States telling you not to meet, it's time for you to start obeying God and not listening to what they're telling you to do. Yeah, that's good. Uh, now, you said that some, now, since we met in Virginia Beach together, you said there were some major developments. That, is that the Acts uh, 529 development? Or what, or what are the other well, developments? That's one of them. I, one of the things, one of the statements or the pledges we had pastors sign at the uh, Gideon's 300 event was a pledge. And I'm going to read a few of the um, provisions of that pledge that we asked pastors to sign. And we're going to be we're going to be sending this around the nation to see if we can get other pastors to sign it as well. And that that pledge begins with some statements. It says, understanding that liberty is sacred, the gift of God bestowed by Jesus Christ upon his church, the bride of Christ, and that liberty being sacred is the church's sacred trust, that the church as the light of the world and salt of the earth is sole curator, trustee, or steward of the civil society and keeper of the blessings of liberty, and that the children of disobedience walking according to the prince of the power of the air are incapable of understanding, much less securing the blessings of liberty, and the temporal governance in the hands of the children of disobedience inevitably devolves into absolute despotism, uh. and that my sacred duty as a pastor to secure the blessings of liberty to my own generation extends to posterity, and that the temporal well-being of my flock is as much my concern as their eternal well-being I will, with the help of God, no longer divorce my role as their pastor from matters that have a direct bearing on their temporal or eternal welfare, nor my role as a shepherd from the, from the deliberations and actions of civil government. I will preach the whole counsel of God, 
I will preach a minimum of one election sermon prior to every election and instill in my flock a biblical worldview by teaching and preaching all of the principles therein. I will teach my flock that voting in every election for the most godly candidates is a sacred duty incumbent upon every person who professes faith in Jesus Christ. And I will provide ample opportunities for every member of the of voting age within my flock to register to vote. And I will seek to partner with other pastors in my local community to establish and maintain a culture of liberty within the local church and within, within our local community. Wow. So that's, that is the pledge we're asking them to sign. And we're, forming, we're, we're seeking to form companies of pastors within every political jurisdiction in America, every state and political ju- jurisdiction in America. And our, and our vision is to have a black robe regiment within every, all 50 states within the next three years. And, uh, wow. and beyond that, to see companies of pastors, of at least two pastors, in local uh, political jurisdictions, counties, uh, municipalities, and so forth, of at least two pastors asserting their own the vital leadership and influence of the church within civil government, directly within civil government, Wow! in order to secure the blessings of liberty. We want to see that extend to the rest of the nation because, you know, we believe that, that the church, it has to be the church that secures liberty. Again, the children of disobedience, those who know not God, do not know how to do it. They don't even understand it. Wow. So it's a, it's a huge challenge. It's a huge um vision but we i believe it needs to happen i believe it 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 is going to happen and i believe this it it is going to i believe it is the revival that we've been seeking in this nation yep and it's got to start with the pulpits i mean i I was reading uh romans 12 you know it says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be then you'll be able to test and approve what god's will is how how can people who don't know god know what God's will is for a nation or for a, for a local jurisdiction, they can't. And they can, they, can, they can try, but they don't hear the music. And I really feel like this is a, a huge thing to see happen, uh, that people are no longer, you know, churches no longer being conformed to the world's pattern, but we're, we're conforming, um, we're let, letting the blessing of liberty and freedom that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ affect culture around us rather than letting culture affect us. So you're really, you're really basically building um, an army of people who, will, you know, pastors and leaders and Christian leaders, and, and to resist the forces of darkness that are trying to silence the church in America. Yeah, and you've got some action steps that you're calling people to. I mean, talking about elections is really calling people within your congregation to say, hey, there are seats, and you should be taking some of those seats as representatives mm-hmm. of the kingdom, yep. and then to call people to the importance that their their vote is sacred. I love that language, and the uh, developing through language, I think you're, you're, what you're talking about is that People are talking about the political climate that's going on because you're developing a culture of liberty. What do you think that culture of liberty w- looks like? Well, I think it's. I think that it has to be the church, and um, it is a sacred calling. It's something that that we, um, you know, that we ignore at our own peril. It's not just for us. It's for our. It's for the next generation. If we don't do it, it's it's not going to be there for for the next generation, for our children, for our grandchildren. I've got ten grandchildren, 
and God willing, maybe more on the way. And, um, you know, I, I just can't imagine leaving this mess to them that we have in America today. And I, and I, I just want to say, folks, we, we, are the, we are the church of God. We have the power of God. And one of the things God expects us to do is to secure our temporal, our temporal domicile, our home. We have to be the ones who do it. And so it's, it's time to throw off fear. Yep. Come on. The, the, uh, the, if you want to call them that, the left in our country, the godless, they're, they're throwing every ounce of fear they can think of at us yep. to scare us into submission to evil. And it's time to stand up and just say a simple no. We are not doing it anymore. We're not doing what you want. Do what you want. Come what may, you know, we're not doing it. It's time for people in law enforcement who are godly people who know Jesus to stop obeying ungodly, unconstitutional edicts from, from governors who have no authority to, get to, to order those things. It's just time. It's time for the church to stand up and be the church. Yep. And, and as, as we do, it's going to transform our nation. It's time to, it's time to wake the bear, you know, <laughs> yep. the bear that's been robbed of its cubs, you know? Well, you know, it, it's, it reminds me of when we were in uh, Virginia, I saw the banner that you had created for the Black Robe Regiment. And it actually has a quote from Charles Finney on it. It says, if Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpits are responsible for it. If our politics becomes so corrupt that the very foundations of government are, re are ready to fall away, the pulpits are responsible for it. So just like the pulpits were responsible, the Black Robe Regiment was responsible for the freedoms that were established. You know, they were, the, the Constitution and the, and the framers were the children of the pulpits of the colonies. Yeah. So if, right. if that's the reality, then it's the pulpits that are going to have to change their messaging and stop being worried about how many butts are in the seats or how many people, how, many, how, many money, how much money's in your coffers and start saying, listen, I'm willing to clear out this building to preach the message of the gospel because I don't preach for men. Amen. I preach for God. I preach to men, but I preach for God. So I'm going to give the message whether you like it or not. And, and, and it's amazing. Churches grow during that time because they actually want pastors to be bold. Amen, brother. And you know what? I would say even if they don't, let's say you, you preach so, you, you're so committed to the truth that you're the last, last man standing. God will honor that because we must obey God rather than men. So we have to preach the full counsel of God. We can't hold back. Yep. We can't. That's good. And, and so I guess the question here too is, I mean, it, your vision here is to see many, many, you know, to see at least two in every, you know, political jurisdiction to, to black robe regiment pastors. How do we make that happen in California? Like, how do I see that happen in Santa Cruz? How do I see, how do we get pastors, to, you know, how do people who are listening get their pastors involved? How do they get them to start, you know, moving forward in this and, and, and to challenge them to speak with courage? I would say the first thing, if, if you're a pastor and you, you see that there's some, there's some there's truth in what you're hearing tonight and you want to do something, you want to do something to begin to transform your, your local government, focus on local government. Don't focus on the whole nation. Yep. Just find one other person who has, a, who has a like mind and begin to get together and pray on a consistent basis and ask God for wisdom. Because God knows exactly how to, how to turn California around. 
Yes. He knows what it's going to take to turn California around. So begin to pray with, with at least one other pastor. Do it on a consistent basis and ask him for wisdom. You know, the scripture says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given him. And so God, God loves to share his wisdom with his people. Um, so ask him for wisdom. Ask him for a strategy. He will give it to you. How did Gideon come up with a strategy to defeat an army that was much larger than his own? You know, it, it was kind of it was, it was kind of counterintuitive. You know, you, you know what somebody might have said. You got to get a lot of people together to beat that massive army. And God said, "No. Here's how I want you to do it. Mm. Find 300 men that fear nothing but, but me, and and send them into battle." And He gave him a very specific strategy, and God will give us a very specific strategy for taking back our government at the local level. So we need to ask for his wisdom, number one. Um, we need to turn our heart, our commitment to preaching the entirety of God's counsel. And uh, Yep, you still there, Bill? Lost you. You might have actually muted yourself. Are you still there? <clears throat> Okay, we, we're on uh, KSEO Radio. Um, we're talking to Pastor Bill Cook, who is in Virginia, and uh, he's, gonna, he's been sharing about the Black Robe Regiment here at KSEO Radio, about yeah. the, the, the pastors uh, that were, were wore black robes in the colonies, and they were hated by the British because they were preaching freedom. And so he's uh, sharing with us the steps forward in that. Um, if yeah, we he's have a back on right now. Oh, is he okay? Yeah, somehow you got kicked off, Bill. I don't know how. <laughs> we must have I, made someone a little upset. <laughs> possibly, yeah. Well, this message the enemy doesn't want to get out. That's and, for sure. um, So, you know, I would say the beginning is to pray. Yeah. Pray and ask God for wisdom, and uh, He will give it. And you know, you know, I, I live in Virginia. You know, you're in California. Living out in California, you probably you may have to do some things different than I might do uh, to, to affect your government. But but uh, God will give you that wisdom. That's right. Hey, we have a couple of callers here. Um, you'd be okay to take it. We got about eight minutes left. You you, you okay taking a caller here, Bill? We would love to. Okay, four seven nine ten eighty. We got a caller right now. Hello, caller. Yeah, this is Alan Aptos. You're on the air at KSCO. Yes, hi. Thank uh, you. Thank you for wanted, being so patient. No problem. I just wanted to, to praise God, thank God for Bill and his work and for standing up, for you, Chris, and for Brandon for standing up. My question, uh, I'd like to uh, uh, ask Bill about what he thinks about the churches throwing off the 501c3 tax status so that preachers can stand up, you know, uh, and be able to to to, to preach the whole counsel of God and to be able to support uh, godly people running for office? Great question. Well, I, I, it's an excellent question, and I've been, I've been saying now for years that pastors need to throw off the 501c3 because the church does not need the 501c3 to be tax-exempt, to, to, uh, to give tax-deductible status to donations. There's something else called a 508c1a which is, is a well-kept secret in America, but, and that's actually gaining more notoriety. And, um, you know, here's, here's what I want to say to people. 
that are, are very concerned about something like getting a tax deduction. I understand the benefit of tax deductions and, and lowering your taxes. But I also understand that we have a country that's, that's worth far more than a tax deduction. <laughs> and and we, we have a country to save. And we have to ask ourselves whether uh, what, what's most important to us, securing liberty and, and retaining liberty in America or, or getting a, a better tax deduction. And that's what I would say. I, I would say it's time to start to, to just give to what we believe in and to what, what we think God wants us to do. And I've been saying this for months and years, and I, I really appreciate the question. Um, yeah, amen. Amen. I, uh, I believe that uh, God will bless those churches that, that uh, you know, ha- ha- have the courage to, to uh, stand up and speak the truth. That's good. Anyway, thank thank Amen. you. Thanks for calling out. Oh, you're welcome. Thank thank you. You know, for your, for your question. about you know, Bill, about the 501c3. You know, it's interesting because I was doing some reading about the uh, Pulpit Freedom Sunday, and there were a thousand churches that 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 challenged the 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 Johnson Amendment. The Johnson Amendment was established in 1954. Uh, a senator didn't like two businessmen because he was commenting on them, and so he established it that you couldn't you know you couldn't actually. Use a church to um, you know endorse a candidate, and for many many years churches have not you know spoken out politically, and it's almost like the the, the elephant and the stick in the ground. They think now that they could bust through it, they don't realize they can it, that they can bust through it, and they do this thing called Pulpit, Pulpit Freedom Sunday. A thousand churches wrote, like endorsed candidates wrote it out in their sermons, sent it to the IRS, and since 1954, there's not one church that's lost its 501c3 status for our for um, preaching, uh, you know, a, a biblical message and, and endorsing people. And I think the key here is that we think that they have that power and they do not have that power. And that's... No, they do not. So it's, it, the best thing to do is if, you, if, if it's continuing to give you fear and you're going to... Yeah. And it's continue to make you think you can't speak out, then get rid of the 501c3. Or, and I agree with you. Or send it to... Send your your sermon a couple times a year to the IRS and dare them to break the law because they don't have that jurisdiction over the men and women of God in this country. Well, you know, actually, when you when you become a five hundred one c three, you're asking the IRS for permission to offer people a tax deduction for donations made to your organization. I, you know, the Black Rob Regiment does not have the five hundred one c three, and and I've refused to get it. We paid a heavy price, and and. Uh, but we will never get it. We will never do it because it was the most destructive piece of statutory manipulation in American history because it effectively silenced the pulpits of America. And I believe it gave us abortion. It gave us rampant sodomy. It's given us, it's taken prayer out of public schools. It's done, it's done more damage to this country than any, any statute in American history. Wow. So it is time to re, to re, for the church to repent of its, of its dedication to that. And I, you know, it doesn't matter to I don't think it should matter to us whether or not the IRS comes after us or doesn't come after us if we preach a political sermon or we or endorse candidates. Who cares? When tyranny doesn't tyranny's not gonna honor its commitment to, to the church or to any of that. It's, it it doesn't care. It's 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 when it suits tyranny, when it suits its ends, it will it will come after the church. Right. So I would just prefer to stay completely out of that. Yeah. Yeah, and we know that the church has been facing challenges that it were we thought were unthinkable a few years ago. And 
we can feel something ramping up. You know how it's uh, the lockdowns came, then there's a little bit of opening. And right now you can feel something trying to ramp up from the tyranny side. What would you say, because we have about three minutes left, Pastor Bill, to... Um, what would you say to believers as we begin to feel the squeeze again of the government overstep? What should we be doing to get ready? I think the, the way to get ready is to, is to get into the Word of God and get to know it very well and, and set your face like a flint to be obedient to the Word of God and not to obey man. Set your face like a flint and just be prepared to say no. Don't allow the government, and we, we fought a revolution over, over an attempt to disarm the people of Lexington. And it is time for the church to begin to take a stand and say, no, we are the church of Jesus Christ, and we have the power of God, and we aren't going to submit to this nonsense. Our country, the they're, they're left is trying to destroy this country, destroy everything we love, and we have to look them in the face and say, no. You can do whatever you want to me. You can take my life. You can take. You can kick me out of the. You can take away my church, but you're not going to take away my integrity. Wow, and that's that's really the message that won the Roman the Roman world over, as they said to Caesar, "You don't have the power over us, and even if you take our lives, we will not bow like the three Hebrew children in the fire, like you know the the, the, the those men and women that said, listen." choose for yourselves this day whether it's to obey man or God as for us we cannot stop preaching the message of what we've seen and heard so that's uh, you know thank you thank Amen. you we're uh, okay we're almost out of time we got a minute left here hey um we'd love to have you back sometime I want to continue this going on and uh, we want to see a, a, a black robe regiment in, in Santa Cruz and in California so let's let's keep keep the fire moving and the movement going that's right. Yeah, people can actually contact me by going to the website. They can, they can go to blackroberegiment.us, and they can sign up for our mailing list. They can send me an email at rev, R-E-V, at blackroberegiment.us, and they can also donate, donate on our website. Okay, and we'll have it on, on our show notes on the KSEO Radio and on a, our website, uh, wakethebearradio.com. So thank you, Pastor Bill. God bless you. Keep the fight. Um, keep, keep the faith. We're going we're gonna to win because we know the end of the book. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. It's God bless you all. God bless you. This has been Wake the Bear.